0: Parapods, City of Parramatta Libraries podcast, where we talk about books, libraries and everything in between. My name is Nyssa and today I'm here with my colleague Antonia.
1: Hi. Hello Antonia, how are you? I'm good. So today Nissa and I are actually at Wentworth Point Community Centre and Libraries and we will begin by doing, doing an Acknowledgement of Country. We would like to acknowledge that we are here today on the land of the Darug people. The Darug people are the traditional owners of this land. City of Parramatta Council also acknowledges the present Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who now reside
0: within this area. Now back to you. Thank you, Antonia. So today we are back, as promised, with more YA reads. So um, recently we had a YA podcast mm-hmm. and we did one, I believe about two years before that. There are just so many good books coming out. Um, Way too are, many. Yeah, that are aimed at youth. So. Young adult fiction, as we've mentioned before, are books that are aimed at a young adult audience. So, I I guess the age range it spans, Antonia, what would you say, sort of? I'd say about 12-ish to about early 20s. So super, you'd say senior primary to high school? Yep. A little bit of overlap there? Yeah. Yeah. And early uni, I I think. Definitely. So those are young adult fiction. Uh, It's super popular. Mm -hmm. So many great books come out of it, and one of the great things about young adult fiction, I believe, is that it's that it hits that sweet spot where you've got a lot of younger kids wanting to read up, so you've got them. You've got kids that are teenagers, the core audience, those um, that audience, that particular audience, reading the books, and then you've got a lot of adults just reading those books and enjoying it. So it has that broad appeal, I think. And the two, well, no, a few of the authors we're going to do today, including two of mine, are. This is their repeat appearance, I, I believe, because we have talked about some of their books <laughs> in the past. Antonia, you are going to introduce the four books.
1: I am. So the first book is Listen, Layla by Yasmin Abdel-Majid, Now that was published by Penguin Books in twenty twenty one. The second book, which I'm going to talk about, is Catching Tella Crow by Amberlin and Ezekiel Quay-Molina. That was published by Allen and Unwin in twenty eighteen. Third book, Concrete Rose, by Angie Thomas, published by Walker Books in twenty twenty one. And the last book is The Selection by Kira Cass, published by HarperCollins in twenty twelve. Now back to you, Nessa.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna be trying to I'm going to do something new and try to be as brief as possible because I um, yeah, I think young adult books are those ones where there's so many interesting thing, themes that they cover that you could just talk about it for so long. So listen, Layla, it is a, the version I'm looking at, the copy, it's a bright orange cover, Antonio can see it, yep. and it's got uh, the main character, Layla, on the cover. So Layla, this is her second appearance, so mm-hmm. in Yasmin abdul first book, um, you know, the one where we were introduced to her, it was called You Must Be Layla, and that was about a young Sudanese-Australian called Layla who... Um, goes to a new school so she used to be at an islamic school and then she goes to a new school and there's this culture shock that she faces um while also trying to just be herself this brash um, almost tomboyish really motivated character who is so full of life um, so full of energy is interested in so many different things i've from memory, I think she was interested. I think she said in bedazzling on one side, and on the other hand, um, in engineering and engineering projects. So she's this great, um, well-rounded character. Is interested in so many different things. So, um, in this new book, *Lesson Layla*, uh, the sequel, we see Layla now in year eight. So it's sort of that you know, you know, those teenage years that are just picking up. Uh, very beginning of the book, you've got Layla. Um, You know, at home, um, she is in a setting... Well, no, actually, it doesn't start at home. I think it starts at school, where she's working on a particular project. Let me just confirm that. It is... Yes, indeed. I beg your pardon. It starts at school while she's working on a project for this competition, and that features quite a bit in the book. And she is singing a religious hymn, I guess you can say, while she's working. And I found it interesting that um, the author Yasmin abdul she has done, I think, a really good job of painting this character, which is quite in some ways unique in that she's quite open about her religious background. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that she's not didactic about religion, but it's just there, as it is for a lot of people in multicultural Australia where it's just woven into their everyday life. And it is the case for Layla as well. So you've got that aspect of, you know, religion. You've also got that cultural influence very much there. Her Sudanese, um, the Sudanese side of her heritage. Um, And I I love how, you know, you've got the Sudanese, Muslim, Australian young girl who's interested in like engineering projects. Um, And she's, you know, the first book was all about how she was going to a new school and the struggles she had with establishing herself. This new book is all about her being part of this competition that she's worked really hard for but then events happening in Sudan where her parents are from and having to go there or go back there because the character was born there and being stuck there for a while and interacting with the environment there okay. so and i, I find that it's interesting because you've got it shows the complexity of identity and it goes back to that you know the usual yep. identity thing coming in, of age and everything exactly yep. because yes the first book was this whole premise of going into a, I guess, mostly Anglo mm-hmm. private school, I think it was. Um, or at least mostly a, um, a private school where there weren't a lot of people from her background as yeah. opposed to her previous school. However, in this book, it's about her going to Sudan where on the face of it, yeah, you've got all these Sudanese around her. They look these Family members. Yes. As she says, you're yeah. right, they look like her. They have the same sort of religious practices as her, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the same, the food that she consumes at home. But she's actually different from them. And I think she really struggles in this book trying to, you know, keeps mentioning, oh, no, but I'm Sudanese. And like, well, you you, you are, but you're kind of not as well. You're also something else. And it's interesting to see her grappling with that as she's going about, you know, being in Sudan for a while. Um, she makes quite a few blunders, like she sort of blunders in um, to certain things without understanding the context, because to her, she understands what's going on. So she just blunders in. Um, But I think she doesn't realise that... Actually, she got quite annoying, to be honest, for me. (laughs) I was really annoyed at her just being a little bit of a sook, I wanted to say at one point, and also blundering in, and you go, oh my god, you're being so clumsy in this situation. (laughs) Um, And then I was really annoyed at the author for making her so annoying. But what i loved is that it was actually part of this almost like character arc because Mm -hmm. at a certain point in the book her mum, her grandmother her dad they ended up talking to her and pointing out what she was doing wrong like her mum emphasizing that look you're a guest in sudan yes i know you feel sudanese and yes part of you is but you're also a guest here so you can't just go in and do your australian thing and expect it's all going to be okay it's going to have consequences um I like how, I think it was her dad who pointed out to her that look, you're treating this trip like an adventure. We are here for a family emergency and you've mm-hmm. made it all about yourself. And her coming to the realization that yes, I need to have a you know a rethink about how I'm acting. Um, she also realizes that she's allowed to make mistakes as well because she's such a perfectionist in certain things. She just wouldn't take no for an answer. And I think that's where the title comes from. Listen, Layla, it's about Layla, <laughs> just listen, <laughs> you know? Do your own yep. thing, that's brilliant. You're finding your own way, you're discovering who you are. Mm-hmm. But just listen. So that's why I think it's a great book. Um it's got that, like I said, character arc thing. Yeah. Um you actually learn quite a lot about Sudanese history as okay. well, which I liked. Interesting. Um, the food that's depicted, yeah. um, some stuff about like um political demonstrations and things around okay. as well. So yeah, it's I feel the author taught the author took um she made she turned it into a good opportunity to show education. her Sudan to people yeah. you know and I appreciated that because I got a good window into it yeah um, so yeah listen Layla, it's a good book I'd recommend it to anyone
1: I feel like I can already definitely relate to Layla, like being someone who's a second-generation Australian there are times when we do go back to where my parents are from and you feel like yep you definitely belong you eat the same food you speak the language you know your cousins are all there your friends are all there but there is that element of no you're not you actually don't belong there you're not from there So I can already see why Layla was like that.
0: (laughs) But, you know, the good thing about, I think, this time is that Mm -hmm. there's more of an awareness of you don't have to be one thing. And I I love that. Why should you have to be one thing? Because no one really is, not in a globalised world, not really. Oh, of
1: course not. And it's great. And I think um, the great thing about this is a lot of our generation or, like, the younger generation is actually realising that, no, you can be two things. You don't have to be set in stone. You are not that one person, which is really good. And we're speaking about it more, so that's really important. It's great.
0: Brilliant. And your book? Cool.
1: Um, my book is Catching Teller Crow. Now this was by um, siblings Anne Blin and Ezekiel Queen Molina. So the story is told by two Aboriginal characters who are both young girls of a similar age. So the main characters are Beth Teller and Isabel Catching. Now Beth is dead and as a ghost she follows around her father who is a police detective and he has been sent to investigate a small town fire. This small town fire is not as simple as it seems as you'll come to know. There's unidentified corpses, missing people, and friendships with fur- which further deepen uh, throughout this story. Catching holds the key to this mystery, and Bat's father is too quick to catch on and realises Catching might be able to provide evidence to the investigation. So it's definitely not just a dark mystery, but a strong stro- story that addresses death, grief, violence, violation, family, love, and healing. Now, you guys may be thinking, how can 200 pages deliver such a strong fast-paced novel? Um, it does this really well through the alternating stories of Beth and um, Isabel. So Isabel is actually referred to as catching uh, throughout the novel. So there's like a play um, on names throughout which kind of gives uh, alludes to the title. Um, so Beth's chapters, so remember she's a ghost, Beth's chapters are light, uh, very simply written and providing much of the structure and basic details of the story. So she kind of sets the scene for the story. Um, you can kind of pick up details here and there and it's through her narrative that we establish why she's ghost, um, her family background, so indigenous Aboriginal background and why she's following her father around. And we also get to find out details of the crime um, which is being investigated for her father. Now at times throughout this novel, it actually occurred to me how young and innocent Beth is. So I feel like even though um, Beth and uh, Catching are of similar age, you can definitely see the um, Kind of life that they both live. Beth has lived a very simple, innocent um, life. Whereas Catching, she's definitely been through something. There's a lot of trauma, so that's really important to remember at times because it may appear that Catching is actually protecting Beth by telling her story. So it's very different um, when you read Catching's chapters. So in the alternate chapters, Catching's has written um, her point of view is very dark and heavy. Now at first, I didn't understand why. Um, Catching's chapters were written so differently but as I read on it definitely made more sense because her chapters are written in verse and they appear to be kind of a fantastical tale um, that have nothing really to do with the mysterious fire so it's written very differently Um, you don't really know what she's talking about the first times I kind of read her chapters the first couple of chapters I read um, but you go on and then you learn more and more about the monsters and why you the um, colour of those is being taken and there's a little dark twist and I guess as I got towards the end of the book I was like oh oh, okay and then I read back on some of um, those chapters and then I realised there was definitely a metaphor of um, the colour draining and things like that so it's very interesting um, but it's kind of a nice way to put the horror and the torment that was faced by Catching but it also gives um, way to a lot power, a lot of power that Catching possesses and it's a very unique and strong story. Um, So there is an exchange between Beth and Catching that I wanted to mention. So um, Catching says, I'm not telling you what happened to ask for help. And then Beth goes, why are you telling it? And then Catching says, to be heard. Now this highlights um, the importance of actually telling um, Catching's story. So it's a very tragic story. Um, So I don't want to give too much away, but there's so much covered um, in this novel, including organised abduction, rape and murder of Aboriginal girls. There's also corruption of police, racism small town, in small towns, cover-ups and also um, the fascinating topic of kinship systems of Aboriginal families that have resulted from the stolen generation. So it really touches upon a lot of different things in such, in such a short novel um, so it's definitely one that you really should read. So despite the darkness of this book there always appears to be a little bit of light which I really enjoyed because as you read further and further into the book you're like oh this is really gruesome this is really bad and there are things you know as a young person growing up in Australia you wish you kind of had known about so this really brings to light what you may have missed out but obviously through this power of storytelling you can see like you know not all is lost and there are ways to overcome things so it's a way for catching not only to be heard but also has a way to heal so um, as I said before that the authors Amberlynn and um, as a killer, actually siblings. Now, they are both Indigenous authors, and for them, storytelling well, for the Aboriginal people, um, storytelling is an essential part of their community and throughout history. And through this novel, we can see the strength of the Indigenous people, particularly women, um, as they highlight um, their strength and their survival through the way that they story- storytell um, throughout this book. So, it's really relevant there. Um, another quote I just wanted to bring to light is. One of them says, do you understand what the story was for now? So that's alluding to um, the mysterious verse, verse chapters. And then um, their response is, you told this story to show me how to move on. Now, that's actually critical to the story. But um, yes, so I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> well, at least you won't give <laughs> um, us spoilers. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so the focus is actually the way that the story is told through verse mm-hmm. it's very it's a very intense story there's mm-hmm. a lot of emotions that kind of go through you um yeah it's very interesting but um being a book was one of the first books i've actually read um with the aboriginal characters in it um so it was actually very interesting and to actually find out why people say things and do things um kind of from that cultural perspective um and the importance of certain elements um to them and also like the mix of cultures because actually beth is not fully indigenous she's half so um, you know that plays a lot a light into why she does things why her father the detective does things and why um, she doesn't actually fully understand what um, catching is trying to tell her so it's really interesting and um, I think the metaphors that are put throughout the book a really
0: nice way of kind of ending such a sad novel does she sorry does she identify as an indigenous yes she does okay Because I know with some people they don't like if they identify as Indigenous. Then the I think I guess the percentage, if you could Mm -hmm. say, of the bloodline doesn't really matter, right? So they wouldn't. They wouldn't. I think because I remember once um, being told by in a training by an Indigenous person that they actually don't like the terms like half Indigenous and things like that. So that that was for me was very eye opening, and it's it's interesting because it's more about what you identify as. Yeah.
1: And I think that's really important, like you just mentioned, that there's no such thing as really half Indigenous. So really with her, she does kind of allude to, yes, her father is not Indigenous and her mother is, but she's very much, um, her father really is super open to her focusing on the Indigenous side of the family and very focused on, um, you know, the positivity of that aspect, but also like the strength of the family, because there are a lot of women in um, her family, so I think it's just great to see that she's just wholly indigenous or Aboriginal, however we put yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really nice. So that was really interesting. Um, so I don't know if you know, but Amberlyn and Nazakula actually um, brothers and sisters who are the children of an- another renowned indigenous author, Sally Morgan. So she's actually written a number of picture books and um, other young adult picture books. So I didn't know that, but you know, I can see the strong. Um, storytelling coming through. So that was a really interesting novel, um, just a word of caution as I mentioned before, they do touch on um, several dark topics but um, all in all I think you should de- definitely read it. It was a quick read so yeah, give it a
0: go. Brilliant, thank Over you for tuning So my book now, uh, my next book, so Auntie Thomas. We have had three YA podcasts so far mm-hmm. and Auntie Thomas books have featured in all three. <laughs> uh, so the i mean she's well known for her great book the hate you give which um i was going to say starred starred <laughs> so the the main yeah. character in that book was the character star the female character star the next book which we talked about in our last podcast was on the come up uh and that featured the character brie and now we've got concrete rose which features the character maverick now it's, from, it's a first-person narrative. The difference with this book, first up, it's a male character instead of female ones the last time around. Same sort of age, teenagers, sort of mid to late teens. When I heard about the book, I was like, oh, okay, this book is going to be about Maverick. Maverick, who is the dad of Star from the first book. And I was like, oh, do I really want to... You know, you sort of go, yeah. I know what's going to happen later. What yeah. am I really going to get out of it, right? Because yeah. everything will have to move towards these certain plot points to meet up you know yeah. with uh the hate you give and i didn't know if i wanted to really read a book with a main character as a male because that's mm-hmm. just uh, you know you sort of identify with certain characters yeah. more and i tend to go towards female. strong female characters yeah. Likewise. So I, yeah so i wasn't sure if i would like it um i was very glad to be proven wrong in terms of how i would enjoy it i really did like the book um, I don't know if I can compare it with the first two, um, in terms of if I liked it more or less, but I actually really, really did enjoy it. So just for some context, the title, Concrete Rose, um, to, as you read the book, um, Maverick the character, actually, I probably should start a little bit of context. So Maverick is this young guy who just found out that um, someone who he casually hooked up with, and uh, the kid that the lady had, or the girl had, he was a father. so straight up in the book his meeting fatherhood head on because the baby as soon as he finds out that he's the father the baby is left with him and this baby is three months old so you're starting off being introduced literally from the almost from the very beginning Mm -hmm. with this young guy who you know would casually sling drugs he was part of a gang um he was with his mum his dad's in jail the mums struggling to make ends meet he cares all about you know his girlfriend lisa who he adores his mates um mm-hmm. in the gang his cousin dre um he cares that's all he cares about in school well not so much but still yep. the culture at school but then he finds out his he's a dad yeah and the, the child is left with him and he really quickly has to learn how to be a father so that's where we meet him now in terms of the name concrete rose as he goes on this journey of you know developing um he's put in a situation where he has to learn a lot about gardening and one of the conversations he has with i guess a sort of mentor he has um, a male mentor is that roses will sometimes bloom even in the worst conditions okay. and that's where the title comes from i actually really like that because it sort of crept up on me that the meaning of the title so yeah. concrete rose refers to i guess him I don't think it would refer to him, but I think it, would, it does. it's not explicitly laid out that way. Yeah. But it refers to him, young men like him, young women like him who mm-hmm. will still thrive despite, you know, circumstances that may not be ideal. Yeah. Um, so that's where that title comes from. First I guess before. like a
1: rough, from a rough background or like from um, like the streets. I put that in quotation marks. I, I, I guess so, yeah. I mean,
0: look, you know, sometimes when you think of the streets, you just think of like yeah. the drug aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, the particular... L- way they speak or yep. you know the uh, being a bit antisocial but there's also that home life which is yeah, so they beautiful are and I really like that the really beautiful like the church life home life yep. the relationships Their inner dialogue where you realize they're interested in so many different things but yeah you're also right it, I guess it does refer to that sort of element of way their background so, like I said, first up, you, he's just dumped into fatherhood. And you see this character who is struggling with just being a teenage guy. He wants to go out with his friends. You know, his, he makes a little bit of money on the side doing low-level drug dealing. You know, he, has, he feels this sense of loss because his dad's been in jail for the last 10 years is, is, and isn't likely to come out soon. There are financial issues. At home, obviously, his poor mum is working two jobs. And suddenly, he's a dad he and his dad a single dad because he could not find that the mum just dumps the kid on him and just bolts so he's dealing with sleeplessness he's dealing with learning how to change nappies how he wants to go out on the first day of school and he spends all this time ironing his clothes and, you know, getting these new kicks and <laughs> the baby just basically poops all over him and he ends up rocking up to school the first day. Everyone else is in their finery and he's in these old wrinkled clothes. <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting, but I love how from the very beginning, he just loves his kid. It's there, yeah. like that love for his kid. There's no doubt about it and he doesn't have to work up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. I also love the depiction of sleeplessness because his mom is such a badass character. She really is. (laughs) She's like, you know what? You did a thing. Okay. These are the consequences. Now you have to look after your child. She helps him Mm -hmm. however she can. But she's also like, you know what, buddy? The crib is going to be in your room. You are going to have to go through sleeplessness. You're going to have to manage school and being a dad because there are consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, So even though there's no doubt about his love for his child, he really struggles with that. And you sort of feel sorry for him, but I really love how they depicted that aspect of fatherhood without the mother being involved. I don't know why, because you always hear about mothers and sleeplessness, and that's true for most mothers, I would guess. But if you remember the mother from The Element, it's interesting to see a dad going through that without the partner there. Like you, you know. don't
1: really hear—that's a very unique story
0: in right. itself, or at yeah. it least depicted. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure dads, of course, go oh, through no, of course. yeah. but if you much. have a single parent, whether a mother or a father, like the burden that is on them. Yeah,
1: you never hear about that. Yeah,
0: but also like from a, the father perspective, a young yeah. teenage black father, because a lot of the you know the depictions in in media are not always great. It's always no. like, oh look, you've been careless, and now you've yeah. just got like a baby mama here, and like, oh, yeah, you're not. Maybe you might give some money but you wouldn't do anything but this shows no this is a dad he cares about his kid he's trying really hard he makes a lot of mistakes he promises to be better he promises to reform his ways get a job he slips back a little bit you know (laughs) so it's like one step forward two steps back there's a little bit of that but he gets there in the end and it. it looks like he is moving towards um a really great well not a great future in the sense that i don't think he had like these crazy ambitious dreams for himself but you can see by the end of the book that he's gotten his stuff together yes he's made quite a few mistakes after promising that he won't make them but you can see why that would then lead to the very first book where he Mm -hmm. is there as star's dad now there's a gap of you know i I really hope they don't make another book (laughs) after that to fill in those gaps because I think she leaves enough of a hint. Like for, I'll just give one example. Mm-hmm. In the first book, in you know the um, the Hate You Give, they talk about how at one point you know Star is quite close to her mum's um, brother because he was like a dad to her for a few years when her, when her dad was in jail. Now they don't talk about him going to jail and you know maverick going to jail in this book and they also show that maverick has sort of cleaned up his ways more or less by the end of the book yeah but they leave just enough doubt that he must have slipped a little bit in between to go to jail and then come back yeah and then be like the upstanding citizen that he is by the you know the The hate, book, you, the hate yeah. you give, yeah. So, so he I, is Star's dad. Yeah, I like that. So it's it's not there. There's also this funny thing where he's shown as being really bad at basketball. Oh. And I love – and and they mention it a few times. I'm like, I wonder why they mention it. And then you realise, oh, of course, Star is supposed to be really good at it. So I like there's <laughs> some really good continu- continuity because he talks about how he would love one of his dreams is to be, like, um, a really good ball player. But he knows mm-hmm. that he's not good at it. But I love how his – Ambition, if you if you've read the first book, you know it comes through through his daughter. So that's oh, great. Okay. Um I like how you've got that link to the first book, but there's also a little link to the second, and I really love how they do that. He talks about the new when he's with his cousin Dre, he talks about the new Lawless CD dropping. So Lawless is this rapper. He's actually Bree's dad, Brie from On the Come Up. Oh, yeah. okay. so Lawless was a famous rapper, he was also a gangster, and he was Bree's dad. So anyway. His cousin, Dre, in this book talks about the new lawless CD dropping. And at another point, his cousin, Dre, says, law on the come up for real. So the, the term, yeah. which, yeah, so I like that little connection. Uh, that was really good. And like I said, the fatherhood thing for me just stood out so much. Like him struggling with not having a fatherhood, uh, a lot of father figure all the time. Like he goes and visits his dad in jail. He talks to his dad, but he's not there for everything. And then he is trying to struggle um, with, like, the demands of fatherhood um, and then also finding father figures in other people. So, yeah, I mean, I really love the book for that. All three books, by the way, talk about dealing with, like, living in their dad's shadow. And this book is the same as the other two, (laughs) always identifying, like, getting annoyed about being identified as your father's son in a particular way that doesn't reflect um, positively on them. Um, I love how it depicts that beautiful family network like all the family just banding together in, in, a, in times of grief, um, at, you know good times during um, you know uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I like how the interesting thing they showed the way he speaks is quite different from Brie. Oh, okay. It's oh, sorry star. It's yeah. a bit um, I don't know how to describe it street a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, you yeah. realize, oh, that's an interesting distinction because he goes to a public school. And okay. she very deliberately was sent to a private school and exposed to different things, so it's very it's
1: proper in the way. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's interesting that the the author has done that, so I like yeah. it. Feels quite authentic. So yeah, um, Concrete Rose, great book. Read it. Um, you know, I thought about him just as Star's dad in the beginning, mm-hmm. but as I started reading, I forgot. To me, he was then Maverick, mm-hmm. Maverick the character that I knew. And had no not necessarily anything to do with star so yeah good book everyone read it
1: <laughs> quick question yes would you read the concrete uh would you read concrete Rose before you read the hate you give or would you read it in the orders that they were released
0: Ooh. i don't know that's very <laughs> interesting Hmm.
1: because i feel like the hate you give kind of is a very good starting point but it kind of alludes to all different characters
0: yeah, or because no, it, it's quite lovely in this book to yeah. recognise familiar characters. Go, oh, mm-hmm. I know you. Oh, I know what you're going to turn into. And you see, mm-hmm. like, the genesis of their certain character traits or professions that mm-hmm. then you see later on. Um, gosh, I don't know how to answer that. Not really.
1: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'll start with Concrete Rose and Maybe go from start there. start with that. I'll yeah. give you a
0: different perspective. Please do. I'd be <laughs> interested in hearing that, honestly. be very different. Your book now.
1: The last book. Um, so the book that I read was The Selection by Kira Cass. Um, So the reason I chose this book is because I have been on TikTok um, for a little while. Um, So it's come off from BookTok and I wasn't really sure what to expect because a lot of tweens, teens and even um, young parents were really talking about this book. So I thought, you know, why not give it a go? So the basic plot of this story is a heroine, a young um, female, American singer is her name. Now she's in love with her childhood best friend Aspen. Um, She believes that they'll marry despite their very complicated situation which involves the caste system. So, America um, enters the selection, which is a process only to please her beloved Aspen because um, he doesn't want to stop her from missing an opportunity. So, America is chosen and she competes further and further. Um, she only agrees to this competition to bide her time until she's back with her love, um, Aspen. However, things are not as they seem because um, the selection is actually a process where they buy, where well, she fights with 35 other women um, to win the heart of gorgeous Prince Maxon. Um, so she's involved in a life of glitz, glamour. So it's pretty much the Bachelor, a very classy reality <laughs> show um, <laughs> crossed with the Hunger Games. Um, so that's basically the um, plot of the story. So she's
0: really wait, concerned... that cla- that classy was sarcastic, right? Oh yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> just just, just <laughs> glamour, There's a lot of glitz and glamour, <laughs> but it's not really classy at all. Um, so really, it's just her questioning whether she'll change her dreams um, to be um where she started or will she end up with the future she's never imagined so really it's a chance of a lifetime for her um so this book really fits into a number of genres um so romance is definitely up there but there's also fields of humor and um dystopian so as i said before it is kind of hunger games but it's also the bachelor so it's a very different kind of book um and really for me it's just a fairy tale told in a different way um there's lots of things that are rather questionable throughout the book but i think if you've watched The Handmaid's Tale, you can kind of see that um, a lot of these dystopian novels do really focus on the United States, and this is one of those. So really, with the, um, with the America, not America the person, but um, America in this book, the country, it's given a different name, I think it's Ilia, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but that's um, the kingdom, and in the kingdom, there's actually um, a caste system. So I don't know if you're familiar with history. But um, caste system is not something new and throughout this novel it plays a very subtle, um, it's very subtly put throughout this novel because um, there are, how many is there? there's actually eight castes and Amerig is one of the higher castes of um, three and Aspen is of four or five, sorry I can't remember. Um, But yeah so it's. It's very interesting to see how the caste system is put into a dystopian America when re- when um, if you know a bit of history the the caste system is actually right now in um in India. So you can kind of see that there's um a relative really weird kind of you can see the difference but also not the difference. Um, it's just very interesting because the royals are kind of put in a real high limelight and then the down lows are down lows the the untouchables which um if you're familiar with indian indian history um you can kind of see that they're kind of considered like the scum of the earth so it is really um interesting to see but also um I think the great thing about this is you can see America as she's not from up the higher up um in the caste system she's actually standing up for what she feels is right so she's standing up for servants she's standing up for um her friends who are of a lower caste system so it's really interesting to see that um kind of oppressiveness being um pushed back by a heroine like Mary so it's kind of like um Hunger Games really in that aspect so that's very interesting um but also there's um from the get-go there's actually a lot of familiar pressure which um I don't know how many people think this is an issue these days but for America there's a lot of pressure to cook clean um, you know do a lot of feminine I put that in um, quotation marks a lot of feminine um, activities throughout the house and um, you can kind of see that like she's forced to grow up and be with someone you know provide for the family in a familiar sense so I think she kind of broadens her view in that um, you know she's not set out to only do one thing she's not going to go out and chase her husband she wants to do what she wants to do so it's it's very interesting and I do kind of like that. Um yeah, so it's it's a great read, not very it's not very controversial, I would say, but it's just a quick light read that you could probably enjoy if you wanted a bit of romance, a twist on the bachelor. So I would recommend it. Um yeah.
0: Give Brilliant. it a read. What do you think this well, I don't know what to think after you competitors, <laughs> Because I've never watched it, but I have not heard flattering things about
1: it. Well, I mean, it is 36 women. Well, not in The Bachelor. The Bachelor just depends. Um, but in this book, there is 36 women competing for the prince. I mean, if it's going to give you a life of glamour and stuff, no. Would you not want that?
0: Possibly. Well, l- let's... Oh, okay. I'll, Each leave, to their I'll own. have an open <laughs> mind about that. Each
1: to their own. <laughs>
0: Okay. Um,
1: yeah. Thanks. So it is It is a book that's been recommended um, by teens for their mothers, which is rather interesting, I think. <laughs> and now I can see
0: why. <laughs> it's very Twilight Escape. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you All very right. much, Antonia. So those no were four quite different um, and mm-hmm. interesting books. Uh, if you'd like to download episodes of Power Pods, you can find us on Podbean the app. You may also find us on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Um, so this was the third of our YA um, podcast episodes. Uh, make sure you check out the other two ones we have done as well where we talk about some other great books. Um, we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Bye. The material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast to those of the guest speaker do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.